Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they lose one to nothing in overtime to St. Louis, their second overtime loss in a row. It's also their first shutout of the season. Where has all the scoring gone? And how concerned should they be? What do you think of the alternative jerseys? I couldn't read the numbers, but you can buy these things for about $166 each. And how good was Andre Vasilevsky? He was tremendous, a big save on Braden Shen. Meanwhile, baseball is proposing a lot of changes. Which ones do you like? Which ones do you hate? How about moving the distance of the mound back from home plate? And one day after Matt Bryan announced that he's been released by the Falcons, that's right, the Bucks have their kicker. And congratulations to USF. They went on a three-point shot with about six seconds left at SMU. We got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, it's a new year, and if you've got a new business or maybe you just like to advertise on this podcast, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Our sponsors are showing great response uh, from uh, being part of this podcast, and it is growing, of course, every day. So if you'd like to be part of our team, just contact us at Sports Day TV on Twitter or at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd certainly love to have you. All right, Steve, so you were there. Um, tough loss by the Tampa Bay Lightning, one to nothing in overtime to the Blues. And this was an interesting game, a very competitive game. I thought the Lightning played pretty well for the most part. They simply didn't shoot the puck enough, in my opinion. And Andre Vasilevsky was just phenomenal. We'll talk about the big save he had on Braden Shen here in just a minute. But on the on the macro scale, should we be concerned at all that that all of a sudden this this lightning team, which is known for its explosive offense, is having trouble scoring? I don't know if we should be concerned yet. I think it's look scoring goes into droughts. I mean, it happens to every good shooter in hockey. It happens to in basketball. Sometimes you just go into to a drought. I, I think the positives out of this is that defensively the team is playing very well right now. Yeah. Um, St. Louis did have 39 shots tonight, but take out the first period, they had very few scoring chances. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting a lot of shots necessarily, but they're not they're not grade A shots that have great percentage of going in. That the Lightning, you know, we've talked about defensively. Sometimes they struggle really since the break, since they've come out of the All Star break slash bye week. They've played really well defensively. They're skating hard. They're back checking. The forecheck is good. That. That part's good. Offensively, I think they're trying to make the perfect play. You no know, doubt. Dave Michigan mentioned it today they're turning they're turning B chance they're trying to turn B chances into A chances instead of taking the B shot. Mm-hmm. And they're highly skilled and they're capable of it. But there is another team on the ice who's got their sticks and everything else. And and look, they know that that's what the Lightning like to do. They play passing lanes against the Lightning. And I you know I think they do need to shoot more. But I I'm not worried about this. Team. There's enough good shooters on this team. If anything, if, if I'm worried about scoring on this team is the third and fourth lines have dried up. Yeah. They haven't been scoring for quite some time now. The top two lines have done fine. But your fourth line and third line, you're not getting the same offensive production that you did early in the year from. 
And and I would I wouldn't be surprised to see. But Pittsburgh comes to town Saturday, then you're in, in uh, Florida on Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know John Cooper start changing up some of the lines a little bit, just to try to give it a spark, just to try to change things up and get players shooting more. Now, you know what those line combinations will be. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well, you've seen. I mean, for a good part of the year, you've seen now Stamkos with with Kucherov, and I mean, I think. I mean, I was I, surprised you know, Kuch- they didn't go back to that line tonight in the third yeah. period, trying to just generate something. I was surprised they didn't. Exactly, and, and I mean, I think look, they're all guilty of this. They're such great playmakers, especially Cooch. Cooch turned down some shots tonight, though, that I didn't even think he would turn down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some odd man breaks and things like that. But um, it it just seems like you're right. They're looking for the perfect shot. The depth of their of their team, the depth of the scoring, has been the strength of their team, where teams can't match up with those third and fourth lines and and that has completely dried up and and then I read this and I don't know if this is true uh if, if if I read it exactly right but it sounded to me like you know the lightning are aware of what their deficiencies were mm-hmm. and that they're really putting a lot of emphasis on defense right now that they you know they're not going to allow a ton of goals they know that when they get to the postseason there's going to be tight games um and, and they're really trying to really trying to, to hone in on that and I wonder if that's not that you know we're we're sort of seeing the pendulum swing a little bit, combination of of just what naturally happens during the year where we hit a bit of a drought, and um, you know they really are trying to to uh, be very careful and and not expose Vasilevsky, although he still remains the biggest reason why they're in some of these games. I mean they easily, I mean the performance he had on uh, Thursday night was as good as I've seen him play. I mean. I don't know that there's a goaltender that can play any better than that. Yeah, that save he had on Braden Shen, if you haven't seen oh. it. So he, he stopped a couple shots on his left side, and then uh, another shot went off the post and ricocheted out in front on Vasilevsky's right side, right to Shen. And Vasilevsky just comes diving forward and stops it with his mask as he's his diving mask. forward with his head. Uh, yeah. no, you know, I'd say the best save of the year, but to be honest, take, your, so pick, many. take your pick out of at least six or seven I can think of. But if I'm not mistaken, like he's lost his stick at this point, which mm-hmm. he's done a couple times before. Yep. And then diving across, you know, the 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 face of of, of the goal in the crease there, and and then and like you said, just gives up his his body. In this case, his face. Anything that he can get a piece of of the puck with, and the, I mean, the respect that other teams must have for him must be incredible because you could see the frustration on uh, on Shen's face. Like, what do you have to do to beat this guy? And, um, you know, and in a seven-game series, folks, if he can stay healthy and play remotely close to the level he's at right now, uh, and, and we've mentioned how, you know, in the long term, those games he missed may help him as he gets into the postseason. He might be a little bit more fresh. I just don't see many teams beating them in a seven-game series because I don't think they're obviously going to be shut out very much, although we saw that late in the Washington series a year ago. Um, but they've they've kind of hit a spell here where the you know the the puck's not going in but not only is it not going in and you talked about this before the puck they're just they're not they're not getting and giving themselves enough scoring chances they're turning them down mm-hmm. well in, and in you wonder well, you wonder what that 10 day break did for some of the players you know Kucherov oh, sure. hasn't looked the same you know since coming out of the break and and 10 days off mm-hmm. i mean you know one thing about hockey and and basketball's kind of similar and baseball as well is you get in a rhythm you get in a flow you get in a routine and to have 10 days off, I mean, that can really affect some timing in that. 
you know, so you wonder how that is. But but overall, I mean, if you look at the team and, and a couple things is is we said defensively they're they're improving. They're getting better. The penalty kill is phenomenal. They're, they had the one penalty kill tonight. That may have been their best one of the season. And they've had some really good penalty kills, but they they spent most of the time in the uh, in the you know in in the blue zone on that on that power play. But they're playing really well defensively. They're they're improving in the areas you want to see them improve on. Maybe they're not shooting enough right now. But the other part of this, and, and people forget, is look the Lightning are the top team in hockey. And they've pretty much been all year long. Everyone, it's pretty much consensus they're the best team in hockey as far as the regular season's going. Is that every team comes out giving it their best. They're taking on the big dogs and, and you know, you're getting, it, you're getting an A effort from that opposite team every night you're out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, give some credit to the other teams, too. That, you know, th- this is their measuring stick. This is, you know, how good are we? Where, where right. do we stand? I mean, you know, anytime, you know, whether it's in basketball and you're taking on the Warriors, your mm-hmm. fans, your team, you're, you're excited to do that. They're the big dog. They're the, they're the ones that everyone's gunning for. So, you know, worried. I'm not worried. They've got enough talent on this roster. Um, you know, if they weren't skating, if they were, you know, making tons of mental errors. I mean, they, you know, they had a couple in the Vegas game that, that hurt them. Um, the Eakin goal for one. For one. But – then I'd be worried, but they're they're actually playing pretty well. They're just they're in a scoring drought right now. That happens to teams, and quite frankly, I'd rather have it happen in February than Game Six and Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh boy, isn't that true? Uh, since the break, the Lightning have played four games. Um, they've had one goal. They've had five differential games since the break. Five games now. Yeah, they had the Pittsburgh okay. game as well. All right, and and then uh, so they've had I guess four of them have been one goal games. One mm-hmm. was decided by two. And three of those five have gone into overtime. Two of those needed a shootout in overtime. Yep. Uh, and they've now lost, you know, both their home games um, coming off the road uh, last week. So, uh, and, and I think you talked about this before we came on, that it's uh, only the second time this year that they've had back-to-back losses. Think about that for a second. Yeah, only so, and, this time, are, and, and these two losses were both in overtime or shootout in overtime. Both, both in or a shootout and in overtime, right. John Cooper after the game. Kind of put it in perspective. He said, "Look, you score a bunch of goals and you give up a bunch of goals, and now we're not scoring, but we're not giving anything up. So, at some point, we got to find a happy medium. You know, you're not going to score at the rate we've been scoring, you know, all year. Um, and sometimes you have to go through some of these trying times to see ultimately what doesn't work. Um, but in saying that, like I said, that was a really we've played a couple zero zero hockey games here in the last week that have been just outstanding. So that's Sort of how he looks at, you know, them doing the right things on defense, um, playing the way you need to play. They're just not – right now they're just not finding, the you know, the back of the net. Ryan McDonald made a good point too in that, you know, this time of year, in addition to you're getting your best shot because you're the top dogs, but teams are fighting for any point they can get. You mm-hmm. know, it is, it is now playoff time. Um, and so everybody's going out there scrapping even if they can get one point, right? Look, St. Um, Louis, the team they played tonight, is one point out of the playoffs in the Western Conference. They need every single point. That's right. Every point matters. Mm-hmm. And so if they can drag you into a tie, they get a point, you know, and that's that's what, that's what they're trying to do. Um, and so you're going to see you're going to see tighter games, I think, I think, Steve. Isn't that fair to say, down the stretch? 
than than you would have seen, say, in the beginning in October or oh, something. Oh, absolutely, because every you know, look, every point matters. It doesn't matter whether it's October or March. But in March, now you're okay. The other team that we're chasing got a point tonight or two points or oh they lost we have an opening i mean yeah every every point now i mean this is you know you look at in the western conference particularly where it's wide open almost every team's still alive in the western conference every point matters so yeah you're getting their a effort every game i mean and, and st louis has really been playing well of late um they struggled a That's little bit fourth the fourth win in a row yeah fourth yeah. win in a row but you know they finally have, have figured out baruby's system the new coach and and they're playing a lot better so i mean that's a good team they played tonight the record isn't necessarily – I think they're a better team than the record shows based on how they're playing right now. Like I said, I don't worry about the Lightning because, you know, the other part of this is, look, the Lightning are an experienced veteran team. They're skating well. They're playing hard. They know what it takes to get – I mean, let's face it. They're waiting for April. We all are. Oh, they're going to make it. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not. there's no doubt, so, really, that it would take a, a titanic collapse for them not to get there. But. This is about fine-tuning their game, and, and they're, they're doing all the little things very well. They're just, they're mm-hmm. just not shooting the puck enough. And right now, even when they shoot the puck, it's just not going in. And they're in a drought, that, but that happens. But they're in a drought, and, and okay, so they're losing in overtime. Mm-hmm. They're not getting blown out. They're not you know, losing 3 nothing or 3-1. Right. You know they're they're in these games. They're they're playing well. There's nothing, uh, you know. Sure, would you like to win every game? Yeah, but that doesn't happen. Nobody ever does that. Yeah, fair, fair to say they've had some games where they've come out not so good in the first period, and this was one of the cases where you know, um, not that they gave up a ton of really good scoring chances, but they certainly were outshot. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 but the one uh, you know a strength of this team all year, Steve, has been their penalty kill. Um, they had a stretch where they took like three penalties within five and a half minutes or so. Um, and it is, it is really, you know, there here's, here's the latest since uh, coming into Thursday's game. And I don't know what they were on Thursday, but they had gone 31 for 34 in penalty kills in their previous 11 games. That's, that's incredible. And that starts with goaltending. Oh, it absolutely does. And let's not forget one other thing that the, one of the things, the, the strength of this team too, is and tonight Victor Hedman actually played 27 minutes, but for the most part, you know McDonough, Hedman, Strawman, you know your big time defenders are playing less minutes than the other team's defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, same with your offense; you're rolling four lines for the most part. You're playing all six defensemen, at not quite an equal clip, and especially with penalty kills and power plays, it, it skews it some. But that y- your players are getting more rest than other players too, as you're getting ready for the playoffs. Because this team mm-hmm. is so deep and because of the lead they've built up, they don't have to win every game going down the stretch. They want to. They're trying to. Mm-hmm. But you can you can put Sergachev and, and Coburn out there more often right now than you would come playoff time. You know, come playoff time, Hedman and McDonough are going to be getting, you know, probably close to, you know, 27, 28, 30 minutes a game. You don't need to do that right now. And, and so the, the amount of rest that the players are getting and it's not a really good word but the, the 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 less playing time that they're playing you know Victor Hedman's playing a lot less minutes than he did last year and it's because of how deep they are in that which is only going to help them come playoff time is that they've got less wear and tear on their bodies and it, it, it's all the way up and down the line yeah no you're you're exactly right by the way what did you think of the uh, new alternative jerseys you know from just a Pure design and look. I mean, they're clean. They're nice. Um, I know from a broadcast standpoint, it was pretty hard to see the numbers. 
It's a nightmare. <laughs> what are you mean, pretty hard? I couldn't see him on TV. I don't know what you could see from the booth, for God's sake. You know, I, I think, you know, we were talking up there, and if, if you know, if you're – say a visiting announcer coming in and trying to to call the game whether television or radio or whatever if you don't know the lightning's players really well it's really hard oh you're in trouble i mean you know if you yeah. know the lightning pretty well a lot of times you can tell by the way someone's holding the stick or you know shooting sure. or taking the puck or whatever you know you can kind of know that right away but if you don't know the team real well that's got to be really tough i believe they're wearing you know, it every saturday night from here on out at home yeah wow well Look, the good, you know, it's all about marketing, right? I think Adidas made these things. They're selling them in case mm-hmm. you want one. And they're going to be hot sells. I mean, they're good-looking jerseys. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, like right. to wear down the street or, you know, oh, to wear as a fan, oh, uh, they're, they're sharp. And they're yeah. they're very simple. They're black, and then they've got the, they call it, I think, storm gray and something silver, the colors on it. I'll tell you what, man. You know what they remind me of, you know? That's the black <laughs> hole right there, man. That's that's the Raider version. I think they stole our colors, man. That is that is the black and silver right there. Um, they, they remind me of – it's hard to read, too. You remember the old Raiders? Sometimes they would wear their alternative white jerseys with silver numbers that you couldn't read. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It, it, obviously, these are dark, but it's kind of like that combination where um, it's really difficult. But uh, but they're sharp. They're really sharp. Uh, not so much for uh, for announcers. Yeah, I think uh, season ticket matter. holders, if you renew your season tickets for next year now with a chase card, you get a jersey complimentary or free or whatever they're calling it. So No kidding. They had that on oh. the scoreboard tonight, that if you uh, renew your season tickets, I, I don't know what timeline you have to do that, but if you do it with a chase credit card, which is a big sponsor of the Lightning, you get, oh, a, you get gonna, one of the alternative jerseys. Uh, it's, it's a great deal, and people are going to go for them and – um, I'm sure my girls will be asking for them soon after we just got on the, the well, jersey. Valentine's Day's next week. That's it. Just in time. Just in time for that. So um, let's move on to, to baseball. John Romano, uh, I want you to encourage you to read a column he wrote in today's Tampa Bay Times about – we, we hit on this a little bit, uh, I think a night or two ago, Steve, about some of the proposals that baseball is making in terms of some changes uh, that they are, are saying that they're considering – and uh, you know, some people broke this on the athletic, um, and it's it's been everywhere. But uh, John does a good job of breaking it down. I encourage you again to read the the column on TampaBay.com. I wasn't aware of this one. One of them is uh, considering a proposal to lengthen the distance between the pitcher's rubber and home plate, and I the think motivation that would be extremely hard. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hard to do. Yeah, don't you? I mean, it would change the whole geometry of the game. Um, the motivation is that pitchers are throwing harder uh, than ever. We get, of course, strikeouts have, have overtaken. It's, it's hard. Um, you, don't see as, you don't see the ball in play as much. Um, and, uh, of course, I, I think, you know, the traditional distance has always been 60 feet, 6 inches. And it's been kind of sacred. I mean, I don't. It has been, I but players back then weren't throwing ninety-eight, ninety-nine every back. Well, every they, right, they weren't, and and so I mean, if you change the distance, then 
you give hitters just a little bit more time to react, and it, it sort of negates some of the incredible hard-throwing uh, pitchers that you see. And that's, in my lifetime, uh, that's been the biggest change in baseball is that there was a time when, you know, a guy like Nolan Ryan or J.R. Richard, there might be one or two guys that could ever even touch 100 miles an hour on a fastball, mm-hmm. uh, let alone consistently throw it up in the upper eight and 90s. Nowadays, I don't think you see a guy after the seventh inning that doesn't throw 95-plus. I mean, it's just Occasionally you get that lefty that's on. facing one batter. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly, which is going to go away because one of the proposals is that every pitcher must face at least three batters. So for the for the for the lefty that was there to get one lefty a game, I read um, I read an article that brought up a good point on that I didn't think of. But so if you're going to force batters or pitchers to face three batters, and let's say you're a lefty coming in and, and the order has a left right left, you're going to see a lot more intentional walks. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that guy go, okay, I'll pitch to the lefty. I'm going to intentionally walk the righty and then pitch to the lefty. It's That's a consequence crazy. I didn't think about, but you might start seeing a lot more intentional walks, which I guess creates more base runners, could create more action and more scoring okay potentially. But, but yeah. it, it's, it's a consequence you didn't think about as far as, you know, if this lefty is really good against lefties but can't get a righty out. Yeah, put them on. And most teams are going to stack their lineup as they do already with right, left, right, left, you know, mm-hmm. try, to, try, try to break up the, the lineup that way and uh, prevent you from, from being able to but, hone in. But on, it could on also, too, so – Say, you know, the Rays have a lefty that – or let's say the team the, fa- the Rays are facing have a lefty that they know doesn't hit righties very well. You might save some pinch hitters earlier in the game, some righty pinch hitters for later because you want to take advantage of when that guy comes get in, them out. we're pinch hitting these three guys on our bench that hit right-handed or vice right. versa. That it, it can really alter some of the strategy of the game. I, I hadn't thought about it when we first read it the other night when we were talking about it. Yeah, you know, I no, don't know. It, I don't know if all those changes are good or bad, but it, it can really affect the strategy. Well, and and the other thing, if you're saying it has to be consecutive hitters in an inning, um, you know, Joe Madden and others, even Kevin Cash, have gone at times to, you know, say you have a left-hander in there, he gets the first out against the lefty, then they'll put him in left field for for a hitter, bringing a guy to get yep, a right-handed yep. hitter out, and then and he comes back in after that hitter and well, finishes The Rays off. did that with, what, Sergio Romo played third base, Jose Alvarado played first base for a batter this year? And some guys have played left yeah. field. So, yeah, I, I mean, if it's consecutive, you couldn't do that. So, I mean, I like the creativity that the Rays have done, and I think it affects smaller market teams um, because that's their competitive balance. You know, their their edge is that they, can, they play the matchups um, because they don't have, um, you know, some of the talent, the same same – level playing field as as the Yankees and Red Sox whatever so it's gonna it's gonna hurt them another one is uh you know and the other about the three batter minimum one other thing I was thinking is Mm -hmm. and I kind of like the idea although there are some consequences to it but I'd be okay with saying you don't have to face three batters if you get to the end of the inning like if you came if, if they brought you in with two outs in the seventh inning and you got that guy out because it's the end of an inning, you can go ahead and make the change. You don't have to so face two you, more batters. You because you're trying to eminate pitching changes, but in the middle of an inning, it doesn't, you know, if, if you know, or you so come if in. if you get the last out of an inning, then you, you whether it's one batter or two, yeah. it, it, you don't have to face three guys and yeah. come back I, out. I think I'd inning. be okay with that. Like, because mm-hmm. if the goal is to reduce pitching changes and, and yeah, you know, the stoppages sense. of play and stuff, because at the end of the inning, it doesn't matter. You bring a new pitcher out to warm up or the, the current pitcher that was there, it doesn't matter either way. 
that might be sense. that might be one way I'd say okay you know you don't have to face three if you get to an end of an inning just a, a, a tweak I might make in that just to you know to where you don't completely eliminate the specialist but but if you bring him in to get one out and he can't get one out and he's got to face three batters you got to hang him out there that's right yep. yeah no that that makes that makes sense I, I would think that that would be okay um, they're going to incentivize the draft. One of the ideas is to, um, you know, they're, they're concerned about teams um, sort of tanking or in rebuilding mode all the time. Uh, and right now, of course, they reward teams with bad winning percentages, get the higher draft picks. They're talking about uh, changing that. And I, I, I would think that that would be horrible on teams like Tampa Bay and some of the low revenue teams like Minnesota or Pittsburgh. You know, Except I, those I'm, teams don't seem to be at the bottom every year. Well, no, they don't. I mean, the funny thing is that you, you do get some parity in baseball. You know, it's not the Padres would have been in the bottom forever out in the NL West. Sure, sure. Um, we talked about this, too, the, what we used to call the Texas tiebreaker in, in um, extra innings. Uh, it would be sort of ho- you know, the version of hockey shootout or college football overtime where you know, if you're in extra innings, you put a runner on second base, you know, that sort of thing kind of start the game, you know, from there um, in the 10th inning, you start – every inning starts with a runner on second. Um, I don't like it. I, I don't think it's baseball. I'm okay with it for the regular season. I don't want to see it in the playoffs. I just think this, that how many, how many extra inning games are we talking about that go beyond one or two innings? There can't be more than a hand – it's not like, you know, well, we had 25 games and went 18 innings last year. I mean – there's there's a time when some fans would be like, hey, man, I was at that game that went 16 innings. It was phenomenal, you know. I, I don't know that it's always a bad thing that you you getting caught in that. but well, the, the biggest thing is that game itself is phenomenal to go 16 innings. But then your bullpen and your – the next three games, you're, you're playing, you know, with one hand tied behind your back because, you, you know, you're limited on which pitchers are available and everything else. Right. You know, they're talking about also lowering the mound. How would you feel about that? They haven't done that since 1968 after Bob Gibson had his uh, 1.12 ERA. Uh, so it was lowered uh, a number of inches. They're talking about maybe dropping it another five inches. I don't have as much a problem with that, to be honest with you. If they think that that's going to somehow, no pun intended, Man, how many sinkers are going to hit 10 feet in front of home plate instead of five <laughs> feet now? I know, right? It's true. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, a pi- I, I still think that they – to me, if they had a pitch clock and enforced it in Major League Baseball, I think that would be a good thing. Um, you know, they do it in the minors quite a bit. Yeah, but I want a batter's and clock too, man. All these guys that have to, you, can't you know, step out. undo – well, step out and I have to undo every batting glove and redo it well, and adjust listen, my helmet first after all, every, you know, at bat, even though I just stood there and did nothing in the box. Yeah. You know, if I, you want to speed up the game, I think one way to do it is uh, not allow the body armor. Because, you know, these guys, like you said, they sit in there. Not only do they adjust all this crap that they got on their elbows and their shin pads and all this stuff, um, but they're able to crowd the plate, and they, they force pitchers to try to, you know, not throw strikes because they're hanging over the plate. There's no fear of getting hit because if they get hit, they're not going to feel it anyway. Believe me, if you but, took but off we the elbow. To do, aren't we trying to do less injuries? I mean, isn't that kind of a, a going throughout yeah, sports but, now is we want stars playing. So do you want Mike Trout? getting a broken hand or elbow well, because but, he's but but let me let me play through this okay so so yeah you don't you don't want to see more guys get hurt but guess what 
uh, all of a sudden they're not on top of the plate. And if they choose to be, then they will get hurt. If they, if they back off and let pitchers pitch on the inside half, which they've not been able to do, you're going to see a lot more strikes. You're going to see a lot fewer full counts. Well, how about just enforcing and, the batter's box, which the umpires don't do? You crowd the well, plate because the umpire lets you. You can still, yeah, but you can still, your feet can be inside the, the batter's box and you can hang over with your elbows. Okay, and then and push the batter's else. box back. Well, that's a potential. You could do that. I mean, you know. I, but if you can't cover the outside half, then it's. I, I'd it's hate, to, I'd hate to see Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or whatever because a pitcher, you know, can't find the plate, gets hurt. Yeah, when, but that, when yeah. if he just wore an elbow pad, he would be, you know, he'd be okay. I mean, you know, that's what I want to. I look. just. I, I agree with you. Some of the armor is excessive, probably, but I, I know why they're wearing it. I mean, yeah. I do know why they're wearing it. And and and, and, and by the I, way, the umpire, if you're hurt. leaning into a pitch, the umpire can say, uh, "No, that's that doesn't count." But you know, they what? never they, do, but they can. But but it wasn't like you know when Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio or you know uh, Henry Aaron or whoever Bob Gibson was facing. It wasn't as if. Those guys were knocked out for the season with pitches. I mean, you know what they did? No, they, they they got the hell they got out of the way. Well, but they also I weren't mean, throwing as hard back then either. Well, Bob Gibson threw as hard as anybody. Bob Gibson did, but I'm saying as a whole, you didn't have every pitcher throwing ninety. Yeah, you didn't have everybody throwing hundred miles an hour. But the same token, I just I, I think this this armor stuff is crazy to me. But anyway, that's one of. Uh, I mean, there's a number of rules there. There's a few I would go for, but for the most part, I don't want to change the game. I don't want to change the dimensions of the game. Changing, changing um, the, the distance to the mountain. I mean, that, what are we going to raise the basketball rim to 11 feet? Well, and that's been talked I mean, that about. Complete, I mean, that completely changes every pitcher. Right. I mean, you'd have some pitchers now that may be out of baseball because of that. I mean, that would be a yeah. drastic change. And I'm not saying it should never happen, but that's a drastic change if you're going to scoot that, the mound back. John makes a good point in this lead. Unlike any other sport, really, baseball's records have kind of stayed, you know, fairly similar. And I think because the game hasn't changed dramatically, he talks about Babe Ruth setting the home run record in, in 1935. It stood until 74 when Aaron broke it, and then again in two th- until 2007 when Bonds broke it. And, and yet you look at football, you know, rushing records seem to be set and reset almost every other year. You know, it, 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 that's true also with, you know, wins. Like in the American League, he mentions that Ted Lyons led the AL in wins in 1925 with 21. Well, we just saw Blake Snell lead the American League last year with 21. So the numbers in baseball are hallowed. They're, they're more sacred than any other sport that I can remember. But some, um, could make, some could make the argument that it hasn't changed with the times, which is part of its problem. Well, you could make that argument, but for whatever reason – that sport holds its holds its numbers and its records in, in more reference. I mean, look. Oh, it does. Uh, I mean, you know, we know that football is not, you know, if you're a wide receiver, uh, those records are going to be shattered each and every year because no one's allowed to hit a guy over the middle. You're not allowed to touch the quarterback, the targeting rules. You know, suddenly Jerry Rice is going to get run down by receivers that could not hold his shoes. Um, and that's just the natural evolution of the rules. So, but we don't seem as upset for whatever reason. Baseball um, has a, a a much higher priority on 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 keeping those keeping those records sacred. And and I don't know if it's good or bad, um, but that's that's just the way it's been. There's not been a big variance despite rule changes, whether it's the GH or or whatever has come along. That's of course the other thing they're talking about is a DH in both leagues, which I I think is is long overdue. So. 
Um, but anyway, good column by John Romano. Make sure you guys pick it up and uh, read it in the uh, in the Tampa Bay Times. Of course, we had big news yesterday. Matt Bryant announcing that he's going to be released by the Atlanta Falcons. So one day later, that's right, the Bucks have their kicker. They reverse the curse. Not exactly. Wow. It's not Matt Bryant. They have signed Philip Anderson, who is a Danish kicker uh, from the German Football League. Isn't that a soccer? Well, well, it sounds like it. (laughs) Well-renowned German football league. I guess it's American Football League in Germany. I don't know. (laughs) This guy apparently uh, wowed uh, the Bucks enough to sign him to a contract at the Senior Bowl. He was in uh, Mike Husted's kicking pro camp uh, during uh, that time in Mobile, Alabama. Michael Husted, of course, was was a Bucks kicker for a number of years uh, and a very good one. And so now, um, you know, he, he does pro camps for for these guys. So I don't know anything. I wish I could tell you. I don't have any film from the German Football League. I assume he can kick it through the yellow posts. I don't know that, that, that he will go unopposed or even make it to training camp. But we talked about this a little bit. You know, people are, have seen that, uh, you know, one and one equals two every time. And, uh, you know, obviously Matt Bryant, and the curse of Matt Bryant is real, in my opinion. Bucks have had 11 kickers since him. No one as accurate as Matt has been during those 10 years. Of course, Keith Armstrong, who was the special teams coach in Atlanta while Bryant was there the last 10 years, is now in Tampa Bay. All of it makes sense, right, except for he's 43 years old. He's had some injuries, uh, missed three games last year. Uh, you might have to carry an extra kicker, not knowing exactly what's going to happen with him. And, of course, those roster spots are precious. So it's not, it's not a slam dunk, as I keep telling everybody. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, that, that they signed uh, this Philip Anderson may or may not mean anything for the regular season. But they, they, do, have, they do have concerns. Uh, and, and they will look to, you know, try to see if there are better alternatives that are younger. Um, somebody's going to be here a little more long term. Uh, someone without a history of injuries. I mean, these are, this is all part of the process now as your roster can expand to 90 players and not just, you know, the 53 and the 46 that you carry on Sunday. So Philippe or Philip Anderson is, uh, is the latest. And there's a lot of famous Andersons that have kicked in the NFL. Of course, I have no relation to Morton, I don't think, but uh, you never really know. Finally, congratulations to USF. We talked about this the other night, uh, Steve, they, uh, they did it again. They went on the road at SMU um, they were ahead in this game. Then they were behind late. They went in on a three-point shot with about six seconds left. Very impressive uh, USF victory. And I think uh, they're 10 games over 500 now. They're 16-6 and six for the first, first time, time since, since 1992. Ni- yes. Wow. Yeah, and they've That's won four incredible. conference games in a row for the first time in seven seasons. I mean, just hats off to them and their staff. And, and the players obviously deserve a lot of credit. It's fun to see. Uh, basketball uh, relevant at USF again. And, of course, the women's team has been good for so many years. But uh, to see the men doing it on the road, and uh, it doesn't matter what level you're talking, you know, what what conference you're in. But um, this was a really, really good win for them. And uh, I got to see it and got to see the, the three-point shot. They had a lead. They gave it up. Um, had the last next to last possession, of course. And, then, and they did it bam. tonight without freshman Alexis Yent, uh, who's their best rebounder. He was in That's a straight right. closed with a hamstring injury. So, big win. That's right. And some sad news. Happy trails, uh, unfortunately, for Frank Robinson, uh, who died at the age, I think, of 83. Of course, uh, Frank, known uh, as a Baltimore Oil, also before that a Cincinnati Red. He was, I think this is true, Steve, he was an MVP in both leagues. The only player to do so, I believe. 
Yeah, and of course, uh, maybe even maybe even just as impressive, the first African American manager. Yes, he was in the Major League yeah. Baseball. So, a lot of accomplishments for Frank Robinson, and from uh, I, I did not have much interaction with him. Um, watched him play a little bit as a kid, but I'm told he was really one of the real gentlemen of the game, and and people enjoyed uh, covering his teams and and following his career. Um, and so, one of the real legends of baseball. Frank Robinson uh, has died at uh, at age 83. So, anyway, that's going to wrap it up uh, for us for this week. It was a very busy week. Of course, we've got Ray's Fan Fest coming on over the weekend. We encourage you guys to go out and uh, enjoy that with your family and also stop by and see us. And remember, that's if you're be... going, you need a ticket if you're over 18, but they are free. You just go to raysbaseball.com to get that. Exactly right. We'll be there, um, I think, from noon to 2 o'clock. That's I correct. Say. Yep. You got five so or six look, different players and coaches lined up to interview. Yeah, but stop by and say hello to myself and Steve, and um, my kids will be running around. It's a great event. It's a great day. Uh, baseball is here. We're just really close to pitchers and catchers reporting. Tuesday. Um, Tuesday so, the 12th yeah, for the Rays. Literally right around a corner. It's exciting if uh, if you're a Rays fan, and even if you're not, you should give give this uh, Fan Fest uh, a try because it's a, it's a heck of a lot of fun, and, and uh, make sure you stop by and say, Hello to us as well. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, the week. Have a great weekend. We'll be back here on Monday to talk to you about everything that's going on between the Bucks, of course, the Lightning, the Rays, and anything else in the world of sports. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 